One of my favorite seasons definitely is Christmas and not because of the snow, because of the cold, because I wasn't born in Canada, not because of the snowman or anything, but because Christmas definitely is about Christ. And in that order of ideas, who wants to tell me what Christmas means? What does the word Christmas mean? Christmas, yes, yes. So it's the work of Christ. Now, everybody would say, no, but Christmas has been celebrated since the birth of Jesus and all these things. Uh, no, sorry to disappoint you. The word Christmas was coined probably uh, the 1400s. So far, I remember one of the facts that I, I was going to talk about, but I forgot. Uh, but yeah, uh, in fact, the early church didn't celebrate the birth of Christ. It was not customary to celebrate the birth of a, of a baby because we don't know what the baby is going to do. We don't even know how his life is going to be, if he's going to survive. We don't know anything about that. Uh, so let me start first and foremost with a portion of a message that Martin Luther preached the 1500s, 1521, 1522. This is part of his message and it reads, this gospel is so clear that it requires very little explanation, but it should be well considered and taken deeply to heart and no one will receive more benefit from it than those who, with a calm, quiet heart, banish everything else from their mind and diligently look into it. It is just as the sun, S-U-N, which is reflected in calm water and gives out vigorous warmth, but which cannot be so readily seen, nor can it give out such warmth in water that is in roaring and rapid motion. Therefore, if you would be enlightened and warmed, if you would see the wonders of divine grace, and have your heart aglow and enlightened, devout and joyful, go where you can silently meditate and lay hold of this picture deep in your heart. And you will see miracle upon miracle. But to give the common person a star and a motive to contemplate it, we will illustrate it in part, and afterwards enter into it more deeply. Amen? And how many of you guys know that the birth of Christ is the gospel? Amen? Just two people. Amen. Yes. The birth of Christ is the gospel. Because without Christ, there was no gospel. Gospel means the good news. And the good news was that Christ was going to incarnate a little baby and was coming to bring redemption to the whole of creation. Not only to mankind. The whole creation. I want to read for you a portion of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23. And this is what it reads. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are worth not comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So definitely, there is more of Christmas than what we think. Now, the question that may come to many is then, why is it that we celebrate on December the 25th? How many of you guys know that Jesus was not born at midnight between the 24th and the 25th? Now, if you believe up to this point that Jesus was born on the 25th, sorry to disappoint you. Sorry to burst your bubble. Please do not send hate mail because I won't reply to it. Okay, but yeah, Jesus wasn't born. So then it's, why is it that we celebrate on the 25th? And many people, particularly, there's a story surrounded about why we celebrate on the 25th. And then people will say, yeah, it's a pagan feast and when we just replace it. There is some sort of truth to that. But let me give you three possible things of why we celebrate Christmas on the 25th. And the first one, Jesus wasn't born in winter. It was too cold for him to be born. He was going to have more than enough in his plate than to come on a cold, snowy night. Yeah, because sometimes there's snow in Israel. You know that? But he wasn't born in winter. He was likely more uh, born either in spring or during the fall. How do we know these? Because the shepherd, when the, the angel Gabriel came to announce them, they were outside shepherding. In winter, where are the sheep? Running away from the cold, as we all do as Canadians, and we have more experience than that. So that's one possibility. He wasn't born. However, the early church seems that even though they didn't celebrate the birth, at some point they had to do something. And the reason why is because when we read the Gospels, we're going to find that why the, the evangelists decided to do such an extent recount of the facts is because there was people that were bringing different stories about Christ. So some of the evangelists decided to point Jesus back through the genealogy because genealogy was important. They needed to point back that Jesus was coming from the tribe of David, that he was coming back to Abraham and all these things. If we read the Gospel of John, we're going to find that John didn't took into account genealogy. But he took on account his divine nature. And he says, in the beginning was the? And the word was with? And the word was? Who was the word? Jesus. Jesus is the word. And this was so important because once again, during the first couple of years, it was not as noticeable. Although when we read the letters of John, we're going to find out that the beginning, John is, oh, yes, the love of Christ. And Jesus loves you and everybody's welcome and all these things. But once he has lived some and he has started and the church has been running for a while, he found that there were some people that believed something different. And he said, these ones came from us, but they were not part of us. And now they're teaching something different. Therefore, the necessity to start celebrating that Jesus was born. Now, many people would say, yeah, but then we go into the whole Saturnalia thing. Saturnalia, everybody was saying Saturnalia. Why are you talking about Pastor Jair? So Saturnalia was definitely a pagan feast, and it was 
uh, celebrating the god Saturn, and it was around that time. However, during last research, many scholars have found that even before Saturnaria was established in pagan cultures, about 200 years before, which is about 200 years after the birth of Christ, they were celebrating the Feast of the Annunciation. And that seems also to go along the time that Zechariah received the prophecy about the birth of John the Baptist. So when they did the math, nine months after March, which is the celebration of the Annunciation, we have December, close to the 25th, even closer. So let's do something. Let's celebrate that Christ was born. Since we don't know when he was born, let's celebrate on this day. Amen? So there is no such thing as replacing for a pagan. There is many factors that point to something different. Amen? Now when we talk about, for example, gifts. How many of you guys know that Christmas is about gifts? Christmas is about gifts. And, and many people point back to the celebration of the Magi visiting Jesus. And how many Magi were there? Three. I'm going to burst your bubble. There were not three Magi. Nobody knows. We assume that there were three because they presented three gifts. Gold, incense, and myrrh. But there were not three Magi. In fact, some research, and I, I thank you. I, I think it was Greg who pointed at me. I believe it was Peter Daniels who came a long time ago, and, and, and he was sharing with us how the research has pointed that when the Magi went to visit Jesus, they were guarded by an army. Because the roads were so treachery, and there were so many criminals, that the amount of gifts that they were bringing to the newborn king could be stolen. And I'm not going to go into the Christmas tree. Okay. There are over a hundred prophecies in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled in the New Testament about the birth of Jesus. And this is really what impacts my life because the story of Messiah, the story of Jesus, began early in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. Mankind fall into sin. There is separation between God and his creation. And the first prophecy that comes is that from the seed of a woman was going to come the one that will redeem creation. And we see this fulfillment. And many of the things that we forget about Christmas is that Christmas, how many of you guys know Silent Night? Silent Night, Holy Okay, stop there. All is calm, all is right. There was no calm, there was nothing right. There was a political upheaval. The king Herod had heard that a new king was going to be born. So therefore, let's do something fun about it. According to him, let's kill all the babies. All the baby boys. Younger than two years because you never know. It's better to cover the whole gap. What is calm about it? What is peaceful? 
politics are being threatened with the birth of a new king. Not only that, imagine yourself for a moment, how many men in the house? Put yourselves in Joseph's sandals because at that time there were no shoes. Put yourself in Joseph's sandals. You have a pregnant wife, late at night, your wife seems to be having contractions, more and more, baby's about to be born, you're gonna try to find a place, at least, where to let her rest, and guess what happened? Rejection after rejection after rejection. There's no space for you. How would you feel about it? What's peaceful about it as a father? What's peaceful about her as a mother? And the only place that they found for the birth of the new king was a stable. Surrounded by animals and hay. So many of the carols that we sing have romanticized the reality of the birth of Jesus. So forgive me if I'm going to burst your bubble. Once again, don't send hate mail. Jesus did not come to this world so that we will have a meal with our loved ones in this season. Though that's important. He didn't come so we will have a nice time shopping as Pastor Sharon was saying and get the best discounts of the year. Though it is important to save and why not give gifts to one another as we have been given a gift. Christmas is not about give and receive gifts. Though once again it is nice. I don't think that there is any other season in the year, not even in your birthday, where probably you will receive as many gifts as you receive in Christmas. From friends, family, and even strangers. Christmas is not about singing around a tree or just simply singing about his birth, though he deserves our praise and worship. Christmas is not about my salvation and my security, though that's how the story began. So why did Jesus come? Why was Jesus born? And in the words of the writers of the gospel and the words of Jesus, Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill the Gospel of Luke, he says that he is the fulfillment of the law, the writings, and the prophets. And basically that covers the whole spectrum of scriptures. He says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. Oh, the little baby. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And in our North American context, how many of you know that most police calls about domestic violence happen around the time of Thanksgiving and Christmas? Luke 5.32, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Luke 12, 51 to 53, he reads, Do not think that I have come to give peace on earth. No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two and two against three. They will divide it and father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against mother-in-law against mother-in-law. John 5.43, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another one comes in his own name, you will receive him. Therefore, St. Nicholas and Santa Claus and so many others because I haven't seen the first Jesus except a baby celebrating Christmas. Not in the context that we should. And yes, there is a story behind all these things and good things happen. But if we understand that Christmas is about Christ, then I think that we've been celebrated in the wrong way. Paul wrote, do not let culture what? Conform you. But let your mind, your spirit be renewed. By what? By the word of God. By scripture. I think that enough is enough of culture. Enough is enough of distractions. And by no means I'm saying that we shouldn't be celebrating. But I think that there is more to the celebrations that we have. John 6.38 reads, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so many times we have taken this scripture out of context because how many of you guys know that the apostles live a life more than abundantly? In the midst of their trials and tribulation, their persecution, violence committed against them, jail time, they were being prosper in everything that they were doing. John chapter 12, verses 27, 28, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify my name. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And we just need to step out of this building to see the reality of this world. Prophet Tommy Harayomi, who was with us a couple of weeks, he was pointing at us, our job as ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. If we carry the light, wherever we go, we carry his light. And I don't know if that's what we're doing. John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The prophetic words of John the Baptist, Jesus was born. He had broken into our world, into the reality, into a storyline. And the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Within reach, therefore, it was time for us to repent. No, we wait until Holy Week because that's when Jesus dies for us. So, right now, it's celebration, it's pardon, it's you know, all the good things. We leave the not so good things for Holy Week, for Lent. 
I was sharing with someone before the second service that there are so many things that we have grown apart in, in some areas of the Protestant church that we have forgotten. That when the people of Israel were given so many feasts to celebrate it so they will remember, have close to their minds the story of their freedom, how costly it was. And for us as Christians, we had the second part, the complement, a new covenant. But we have forgotten, for example, to celebrate Advent, to meditate about all these things. We wait until that week in April to celebrate Holy Week and we forget about Lent and about how many things God is reminding us during that season to prepare our hearts so that we can become who we have been called to become. Light to the world and sold to the earth. Finally, in John chapter 18, 37, he reads, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Sometimes I have conversations with my kids and with some other kids, and, and, and when they are feeling ill or something, so Pastor Yair, do you think that I'm going to die? Yeah, one day. When that's going to happen? I don't know. But the truth of the fact is that the moment that you are born, you begin. That's the story of mankind. You're born, you're going to die. But only one person in this world was born with the task and the assignment of dying on purpose for all of us. And that was Jesus. So what is Christmas about? And I want to present you with a different aspect of Christmas. I'm going to be sharing with you from a couple of prophecies about Jesus, the coming of Messiah from the book of Isaiah. Let's start with what Pastor Sharon was sharing with us, Isaiah chapter 9. And starting on verse 6, it reads, For to us a child is born, and I would like you to repeat with me, For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. Here he goes, my favorite part of Messiah. That's a tradition with our family, going to Messiah. And everybody rises, singing the hallelujah chorus. And everybody sings, and at least they respect what's happening. The Bible says that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forward and forevermore, the seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So I want to point you at a couple of things of the names of the titles that they are given to the baby that was to be born for our salvation. 
First title that is given to him is Wonderful Counselor. Or a one that counsels with wonderful things. That gives advice in extraordinary things, in extraordinary ways. And what's his advice? His advice, first and foremost, is countercultural. His advice is counterintuitive, which means it doesn't make any sense. And most of the times, we won't like his advice. His advice. And more than advice, his commandments, such things as love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. If you want to be the first, become a servant of all. And in this, you will find great success. Where is it that Jesus found success to his mission? If he was not at the cross. He didn't come to sit down in a throne above everybody else. His victory was on his death. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make sense to anyone in this world. Because his kingdom is not about positions. His kingdom is about function. Serving one another, encouraging each other, forgiving each other. That's what his kingdom is about. He was to be called mighty God. Or a strong God. When Jesus was born, he was fully human and fully divine. And even though he dressed in our weakness, I believe that there was supernatural power that was giving him strength. When he was going through all his suffering in the Via Dolorosa during his passion. It was him who was reminding us that there is more than what we know. In his punishment, he defeated infirmity, sickness, whether physical, mental, emotional. He was born to do that. He was going to be called the Prince of Peace. And once again, that night that he was born was not silent at all. In the spiritual realm, I believe that there was war happening. For the enemy knew that the birth of Messiah was the seal and the stab that he was finally defeated. End of story. Kaput, halas, se acabó. The end. There was war happening. And the peace that Jesus was going to bring was not necessarily the absence of conflict. Because how many of you guys know that in this story we find lots of conflict? But the peace, the shalom that he was bringing was that that we find when we are in relationship with him. When we are complete in him, even in our weakness. When we are healed. When we are redeemed. When we have been saved. Only if we are in relationship with Jesus, our lives will be transformed and molded by himself. 
to the plan and purpose that he has for each one of us. Second scripture that I want to share with you is from Isaiah 42. Verses one to four, he reads, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. First thing that he mentions here is that the spirit of the Lord was going to be upon him and that he was going to bring justice. Step out of this building and what are you going to find? Injustice, the opposite. And when Jesus came, I believe that his invitation was for us to stand for what he believed. There is a special love of God for some particular people that Jesus himself called them the least of these. The poor, the orphan, the widow, and the sojourner. How many times we have seen unrighteousness around us with the poor, where they have been abused, rejected, beat up, where they don't have the means to live a life even close to us. The voice of the church has been silenced. And if we are ambassadors, we need to start speaking out about injustice. Not the way that the world does, because that will get us in trouble. Jesus spoke about injustice in the face of governors, rulers, and the Pharisees without the necessity of challenging them and raising up in arms by example. It says that he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard on the streets. How many of you guys know that Jesus' ministry was not from the pulpit, although we see him preaching? Jesus' ministry was in the trenches, sitting down with people, having conversations, having meals. Yeah, when somebody was mentioning on the video about food, I followed the example of Jesus. And in the words of Tony Miller, Bishop Tony Miller, he said, I believe that Jesus was a foodie. Most of his time, he's at the table, sharing, bringing encouragement and conviction. Why? Because at the table, when we sat down with Jesus, we are one and the same. There is no you are more, you are less, you're angry, you're not. His invitation to sit with him is about, let's have a conversation here. That's how ministry happens most of the time. Verses six and seven, he reads, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, I will call you by the, I will take you by the hand and keep you. 
I will give you as a covenant for the people and a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Jesus, sharing with the Pharisees and with the people that was attending the synagogue, he said, today, that prophecy has been fulfilled. And if you are here, I believe it's because you are an ambassador, because you have been called by his name. And our duty is to go and talk about the covenant to be those that in a way bring the eyes of the blind to be open, not only physically, but spiritually, that we will present a different reality, a different option to a world that is hopeless, that is in darkness, to bring prisoners out of the dungeon, out from sin and oppression. I will give you as a covenant for the people. And the only way for us to do this is to be in covenant with him. We are not in covenant to the church of his leaders because we don't pledge allegiance to anyone but Jesus. And yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. But I believe that we need to keep in mind all these things. He closes on verse 4. And this is what I'm going to close with saying. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Jesus is still in the business of searching after your heart of bringing you back into relationship with him. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you have done. His business is, I won't stop. I will be relentless until I have made you mine and mine only. And I believe that this is the invitation today. I don't know how's your relationship with God. How's your relationship with God through, him, through his son Jesus. But he said that he was going to be the way. That he was going to show us the truth. So that he will get to live the life that he wants for us. I'm just going to invite the worship team to come back. And I want to close with a word from the book of Revelation. On chapter 22, verses 12 to 14, it reads, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murdered and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, 
the bright and morning star. Jesus came to this world, and for those who were present at his birth, more than his innocence, his tenderness, his beauty, beyond anything physical element that they may have been attracted to, it was the promise of Messiah. God incarnated. God breaking into our lives. And as we celebrate Christmas this season, my invitation is that we start by assessing how is our relationship with him. How is it that during this season I'm living the message of Christmas? Because the message of Christmas, it's more than what we live. Pastor Brendan. Oh, wasn't that a good word? Amen. Uh, let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to ask Pastor Jerry if you just actually will pray a prayer of blessing over us to close this off. And just that we would not just hear these words, but with God's help, we would be doers of these words. So, Pastor Jerry, why don't you just pray this over us? With your hands lift as a sign of adoration and surrender. Father, I just thank you for every single person that is here for every person that is watching us online father my prayer is that today father as your word has been spoken a new revelation will come to us about the spirit of christmas for the spirit of christmas is your holy spirit i pray father that as we celebrate this season that we will be the hope to a hopeless world that we will carry your light wherever we go even though father our lives may be deemed today father i know that right now the wind of your spirit is blowing giving us hope restoring father our hearts renewing our minds Father, I pray that the words of the gospel will be declared this season to those that we don't know. And even more, Father, that as ambassadors, as instruments in your hands, Father, we will be the hope of many. Father, in your word, you says that we are strangers, that we are foreigners as your people, the people of Israel was in this world. Our citizenship is from heaven, Father. But as we journey, I pray, Lord, that each one of us will become a beacon of light, Father, reflecting yours. That as many as possible, Father, we will cross paths with that we can share your word and the truth that Jesus, Messiah, has come to this world. That the whole purpose, Father, is to bring us back to you. We thank you, Lord. For your work has been completed. Now it's time for us to go and share it with others. 
We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing right now in our hearts as you speak to us about how much you love us, about how much you want us, about how much, Father, we have made been gifts to others. Father, as this is a season of giving and receiving gifts, may your message be the main gift that we will share with others through our lives and our testimony. That's our prayer today, Father, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.